Good morning, Mr. Hudson. How are you, sir? Yeah, good. Good. Another uh, day in paradise, I believe. Absolutely. And welcome all to uh, My Life, My Music. We're calling this one Hudson 74. You make me feel brand new. Because in essence, Al, that's what happened almost 50 years ago, or it will be 50 years ago, uh, next January, when you joined uh, Stoke City. Things were going off the rails a little bit. We covered that in Yesterday Once More, 1973. We looked at the last 12 months of your time at Chelsea. We had that situation towards Christmas when you and us would drop that game uh, at Bramall Lane, Sheffield United, Chelsea won it 2-1. They thought that they could carry on with two of the greatest players ever to wear the Royal Blue of Chelsea. How wrong were they? Ozzy left and went to Southampton. You caught the train and joined Wad the God at Stoke City. We have covered that in my Stoke City years at Hood at 50. We've covered a lot of ground. We're going to nail down that 12-month period from when you walked in the door there at Stoke City to, obviously, the December the 31st in 1974. So, so let's begin. What was your memory? What was your thought pattern now with that iconic photograph with you and your hold-all bag and you look in a million dollars, 22-year-old kid jumping on the train and going to a brand-new life? Well, I, I think it's like anything else. If uh, if you look back on your life, you go, I wonder what was going through my mind at the time. Uh, and I, I, it was one of those situations which happens, you know, if you can imagine what happened at Chelsea with me happened so quickly, you know, we kind of won the two cups in my first two years. <clears throat> then, ironically, we lost to Stoke City in the League Cup final. Then it all went pear-shaped. Uh, I had a bad problem with the injury, obviously, that we, that we covered, but... Uh, and then uh, within the space of 48 hours, I ended up becoming a Stoke City player, which uh, was unthinkable um, because uh, we we talked about when me and Oz um, were sitting in the restaurant talking about what clubs would you prefer, you know, and we, all the big names were coming out. And then all of a sudden the telephone didn't ring. But um, and it rang only one call from Mr. Water, and so I kind of got and then then uh, on the on the Saturday night I signed on the I met Tony on the Friday night, and he said I'll meet you in the morning, and he took a bit of a chance really, Paul, because uh, you know uh, usually he's spot on with things like that. He would have signed you straight, away. or he might have signed me straight away, but there was no terms. We didn't even talk money. As, uh, as which I think is important in my career because I played for the love of it. Um, and and then he said, I'll see you at the bridge in the morning at 11 o'clock. We signed a contract. He was late, very late, and he'd been out in a nightclub, he said, waiting for Ozzy all night to call him back. But that didn't, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, I had a party round. I went to Fleet Street that afternoon to do a deal with Sunday people about my move why I moved and then on the on the Saturday night I had a going away party all my family and friends come around so that's how quickly we got party together in 
24 hours, you know. So, and then all of a sudden it was Sunday from the after the party and then going down my local and then saying goodbye to friends and everybody in my local. And uh, before I could blink, it was I was jumping off the train, you know, an hour and about an hour and 40 minutes in them days at Stoke Stoke Station. So I really was, I was in a blur, really. It was, everything was a bit of a blur and met by Tony Waddington, who you can tell by the photograph, you know, he had a big beam on his face. He was delighted with the player he'd signed. Uh, he obviously knew more than what I did because I was having a nightmare at the time, plan-wise. Um, lost, I had a bad injury. I lost my confidence. I was just going for a lost my wife. Uh, I don't know if that was such a bad thing, though. Um, so I kind of lost everything. I was a broken, I was broken. I was, you know, if had that move to Stoke had gone wrong, you know, I, I could have been on very close to the scrap heap, you know. And I, I went to see my father on the Saturday night. As I told Tony, I would. I said I got to speak to my dad about the move, and uh, he said I would. I would think he would go and speak to your father about it, but he did not know my dad and the influence he had on me. Uh, Tony didn't know at that time, uh, and my dad said to me, "You know, this could be the best thing ever happened to you," and my dad was right again. So, um, yeah, and then I walked out the uh, Stoke Station. I looked at Josiah Wedgwood and wonder who he was. I should have had a statue of Tony Waddington there, really, not Josiah Wedgwood. And then I see a big yellow road, uh, Mercedes, and I thought he's going to surprise me by giving me this as a signing on present. <laughs> and, it, and it belonged to Jeff Hurst, who I didn't even know was playing for Stoke. So all at once, it was like a, it was like a hour and a half movie, two hour movie, all wrapped into two minutes where so much had happened so quickly, you know. Um, and then, and that the press conference was about four people. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was that was what it was like in them days, really. And that's what, you know, our show is all about, really. Absolutely. I'm, and I think that really ties into the first track that you've picked, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. I'm just going to read a couple of lyrics. I've, I've, I've took out one of the words, so sorry, Alton, but it still rings so true. It could almost have been written for you. Well, I listened to my old man. Uh, you know you can't hold me forever. I didn't sign up with you. I'm not a present for your friends to open. This boy's too young to be singing the blues. So goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, where the dogs of society howl. And then he goes on to say, I finally found where my future lies beyond the yellow brick road that really is very apt for what you've just described and Alton could have almost written that although Alton wrote the music it was Bernie that wrote the lyrics so apt for your time and even more so apt that you arrived in a yellow Mercedes <laughs> beyond well, that yellow yeah. brick road <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I, I really didn't need that Bernie talking for that one uh, <laughs> I could have wrote it myself but a bit that's that's fantastic you picked that out Paul because uh, I didn't realize I knew I know the words to it but yeah. uh, and I, I've sung it a million times in in different places and in parties and pubs and clubs and you know gone along with Reggie and sang it and uh, yeah I mean it's it is so apt it's so apt and it, it makes you wonder about life uh, sometimes uh, certain things that happen and 
write songs or whatever they are, or you see a movie and it, a little bit of deja vu comes up and you think, I've, I've been there before. Uh, them, them words kind of, they were written for me, I, I, I must agree, yeah. Absolutely, and I think all the songs that you've picked uh, for this episode, Al, that one was from 1973, Hungover from 73 to 74, so nicely links from um, Yesterday Once More onto Hudson 74. Uh, you make, Again, You Make Me Feel Brand New, a track that you've picked, um, and, and Waddington did make you feel brand new. But before we get into another record, there was... There was 22 number ones that year, and you have picked one of the number ones. It got to number one in the October of, um, of 1974. But just to throw a little bit of light on some of the things that happened that year, the IRA bombing began on mainland Britain. Nixon becomes the first US president to resign after the Watergate scandal. The miners' strike brought down the Tory government. Rumble in the Jungle happened, and Stephen King, a young 26-year-old author, had his first novel, Carrie, published. There was a lot going on, and we are going to just dip into one or two things that, that happened that year. The season started quite well for Stoke City. This is the 73-74 season. They uh, they won the Watneys they won the Watneys Cup, but by January uh, they they'd fallen to seventeenth in the first division. It really went from a cup in seventy two at Wembley. Okay, the Watneys Cup wasn't a particularly big cup, but it was a cup designed for all the top scorers in the respective leagues. And Stoke beat Hull City two 0 to win the Watneys Cup, but. They really, really were falling off the rails. And it was Alan Hudson signing for Stoke that really made the difference. In fact, since you're, well, after your signing at Stoke, they lost just two games from the final 23. You had a better record than than probably Liverpool and Leeds United that ran out winners and we're going to dip into some of the games shortly out that you played in that 12 months the first being Liverpool and it was one of your final games for Chelsea against Liverpool and your first game against Liverpool at um, at the Victoria ground so let's let's start at that you've put your boots on you're walking out your home debut what was going through your mind? Um, before you go any further, talking about what happened in 1974, uh, you forgot to mention that Seattle Sounders were formed Absolutely. in 1974. I was going to go and, uh, <laughs> and uh, when you mentioned the uh, the record, which is I'm quite proud of because it was um, yeah, it was not only big for me and, and gave me back everything. As I said, you make me feel brand new. is very apt as well. Uh, it was a great... It was a... My story is better than most stories because um, I know I'm no different from anyone else, but maybe in some ways I am. But I'm, I'm a great family man. Yeah. Um, and from the day one at Liverpool game, uh, it was quite strange because I, when I went in to see the manager before the game, it was quite, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was so different in a million ways, uh, Paul, for me leaving Chelsea 
and going to Stoke because at Chelsea it was much more regimental at Chelsea and and I suppose at most football clubs and I found again at Arsenal they did it when I, when I left Stoke. Uh, you know this um, I was used. I, I'm a great believer in. Mm, playing the game as it comes, playing off the cuff. You know, I love the Maverick theme. Um, I don't believe in, you know, being here at 12 o'clock and being there at 12.30 and there at 1 o'clock before football matches. I think football matches uh, should be the way that, like when we're at school or in the playground or, or just playing an ordinary football match. I got to Stoke and I couldn't believe that we had to be at the ground, bef- you know, between two and quarter past two for a three o'clock kickoff. Yeah. Now, I wondered, at Chelsea, you had to be at the hotel at 12 o'clock. So you're rushing around in the morning, you know, and people that lived all... We were very lucky in, in them days that we, we were all British or... or Many Londoners, you know, Aussie from Windsor, a couple of lads come from Batsy, I come from Chelsea. You know, the furthest away was probably Eddie McCready from Sterling, Tommy Baldwin from Gateshead. You know, but basically they all live within probably a 45 minutes to get into the grounds. So, but or to the hotel. So that's 11 o'clock. You've got to live, up at 10, you've got to leave home for, to have lunch. Um, just to have lunch, which was nothing really. Uh, so you got to get up early and all that rushing around. But when it, when I arrived at Stoke, I remember getting up and thinking, this is great, you know. Uh, no rushing around. I've, I've got to, you know, I'm going to sort everything out, speak to who I want to speak to on the phone. Um, and my family got in there and um, the first thing Tony said you know, it was um, he didn't he didn't give me no team talk or what he wanted, nothing. Uh, he he was a man of very few words. He just he just trusted you, you know. And uh, when I asked him for twenty two tickets for my family and friends, he kind of you know thought, oh, this is good. But he loved he he loved that he loved that with me, and he loved he, he that was why he was such a a lot of managers would have. Um, said you're no different from anyone else you will get the four like everybody else but tony was a great believer in um um bringing more outsiders into the club the more people come from london the better he used to love the press as many press people come to london he was a great pr man and he'd love to he always loved to put stoke city out there you know on the map and you know and he, he saw that as a good thing and he welcomed my family and friends, you know, and he was uh, not just my family and friends, but all people that come to the ground. Uh, so that was that was a big thing for me. And uh, I, as I say, it was it was a it just flew it, it flew by. The first thing I can remember putting my when putting my boots on was uh, I wonder who's going to pass me and who's not going to pass me because those in the dressing room uh, were kind of looking me up and down and two or, two or three players wasn't sure. Uh, uh, I suppose coming from Stoke-on-Trent, the our back four were all local lads. Uh, we didn't have Gordon Banks in goal. Obviously, he'd done his eye the year before in that tragic accident. Um, so I was wondering, I was more worried about my team than Liverpool, to tell you the truth, mm. because I know all about Liverpool and I knew... I knew I had a, I had to play a lot better than what I did to him uh, against them. The you know a couple of weeks before, 
And uh, I just thought to myself, whatever you do, just go out and don't try and do anything to impress the crowd. And and the, uh, I was even watching football yesterday, and I, I was watched about four games yesterday. I, I was thinking back to my days at Stoke, and and the reason I'd done so well at Stoke and hit it off with the crowd because I'd done things so simple. And I started the game simple, and I thought, don't try and pass the ball over 10, 15 yards. Just make sure you, you just don't give it away. And I don't mean with with I could say that in a pub, and they say, well, you just you said you don't like people just passing the ball. But say, I don't mean passing it square and backwards. I mean just knocking it to, to people square on them, then getting it in front of them, and 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 then all of a sudden I opened my game up, and then I could I could tell that we were in the game, and I was I could feel my form coming back a little bit, um, and and I just kind of hit it off with Jimmy Green off immediately, and I I just see him as my way out of this, you know, every everything I hit into him stuck, and I just got it back off him. He he was a, he was. A, Great, great player to play with. So he, he helped me a lot in them days. Uh, we had left back Mick Pedrick who wouldn't pass to me. Uh, we had a right back Jackie Marsh couldn't pass to me because <laughs> because his eyesight. Uh, we had a John, we had a right half John Mahoney who was a, a tiger of a player, Welsh international, tremendous player to have alongside you. But he was he was more involved in his game and getting on with the, the way he plays it. So he wasn't like, a, not like playing at Wembley with Alan Ball. You knew exactly what you do. You, you just think, well, me and have, him and have the ball all night. But this wasn't the case, you know. So, you know, it was like, uh, it was like, it was, it was half a trial game where you don't know anyone in the team and you're wondering if they're going to pass you or not, you know. And it, So it was... It, I was absolutely delighted that you know the way things went, and the crowd seemed to think because what, what I went into the game knowing, and but as the years have gone by, even more so now, I think it would have been absolute tragedy if if I'd have played like I did against them in you know in the blue shirt, and they'd have beat us three or four nil, and what it would have been absolutely lambasted. He would have been slaughtered in the newspapers for paying a record amount, a record fee for a playboy coming from London who was out of form. Uh, and I would have, I would have been, I remember sometime later, Steve Daly signed for a million pound for Manchester City from Wolves. And Steve come over to play with me in Seattle and he was a good lad, uh, but a million pound, pound player he wasn't um and uh, you know I, I would have been called the biggest flop in football really uh, had it all gone wrong and tony Waddle and would have i mean we would have been put against a worn shot really in in the parties i wouldn't instead of being going out sat on that saturday night and everybody all over you you know because it was a great start I would have, I wouldn't have been able to go out on that Saturday night. I'd have had to go home and lock all my doors and, you know, put the bars up the windows, you know, because it would have been a disaster. So that that that's the way I looked at the game. But uh, as 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 regards the game itself, Stan Cullis says that it was the best debut he'd ever seen. You know, it wasn't a fantastic debut. It was a, it was more of a, of a relief for me. Uh, to get through that first 90 minutes uh, without playing like I had it 
been playing at Chelsea for the last three months. Absolutely. And instead of Alan Hudson walks on water, they'd have probably put a couple of bricks and thrown you in the Trent, wouldn't they? But, you know, that's the fine margins of winning, losing and being able to swim. And you did swim, Al. You did reference the um, the, the transfer record. It was a, a British transfer record. We'd had the um, Martin Peters that, that went from West Ham to Tottenham. We'd had Alan Ball that went from um, Everton to Arsenal. We'd had David Nish going from Leicester to Derby. Then Alan Hudson, £240,000, broke the British transfer record record in January 1974 and it wasn't until Valentine's Day that Bob Latchford broke it 350,000 again a, a part swap with the player Howard Kendall and Archie Styles. but you were the record British transfer uh, signing back in 1974 another first in 1974 Al was your second game you played Chelsea now I know you won and Jeff first scored the winning goal from the penalty spot. But that was the first game ever to be played on a Sunday. What's your memories of that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that couldn't have been couldn't have been better, you know, because, uh, you know, once again, if the if the previous Saturday had gone, you know, the wrong way and I'd have had a nightmare and gone into the Chelsea game, I'd have still been in, uh, you know, a bad frame of mind, really. But... It went so well against Liverpool that I was, I, you know, I couldn't wait to play in that game. And, uh, you know, I was there. I had some great friends at Chelsea, you know, and still have, you know, the, you know, I love, uh, you know, I love seeing the boys from that team. And, you know, although there's only about half a dozen left, you know, uh, two or three of them are great, great friends. I love get get with them when I can. Uh, but I just. I need to put one over. I've got the picture. I've got um, where I'm sitting in my flat now. I'm sitting in a photo with um, shaking hands with John Hollins. John Hollins was captain of Chelsea that day, and I was captain for the day at Stoke. And there's a referee standing there. I must send you this photo over, Paul. It's um, and is the referee doing his, his Elvis impression? <laughs> he's got a, he's got an Elvis Presley haircut, and you can't believe it, you know. And uh, I know what I'm saying to Johnny Hollins. I know actually 50 years on, I know what I'm saying to Johnny Hollins. I know what John Hollins saying to me, you know, uh, because I I knew John since I was 13 years of age, and I just told him that I was going to run him ragged, and. Uh, and he kind of laughed, and he, he laughed, he, you know, he kind of laughed and said, you know, you're always one for the one-liners, Al. I said, well, it's not going to be a one-liner today. <laughs> and, and that's what I did. That was, that was really a great performance, far better than the Liverpool one. And uh, and to, to finish it off, I, I got the penalty as well. So, you know, I knew how I got the penalty. The young lad, Gary Locke, was right back, terrific right back. Um, but I knew I had him, and I got the, got the ball just inside the Chelsea box. I played a one-two, and and Gary kind of looked, it says almost as if we looked each other in the eyes, and I just knocked it by him, towed it by him, and I knew he had long legs, Gary, and I thought he's going to bring me down here, and it wasn't a case of today where players dive. He was going to bring me down, and he had no other no other way. I knew he couldn't get the ball, and over I went, and uh, and Hersey smashed the pass. That was a great start to beat Chelsea and look over 
it was, I, I wasn't happy to beat my mates, but I looked over at the bench at Dave Sexton and I, you know, and, and kind of smiled, a right smile. Uh, I, was, I was delighted to beat them. Was there any thought in your head that you wanted to take that penalty? No. No. No, I knew how mm. good Jeff was at, at yeah. taking them. Uh, and I'd done my bit. I got the penalty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if they'd have thrown me the ball, I'd have been delighted to take it, you know, and because I, I knew, um, obviously, you know, I knew all the... Pro- I, I was lucky I, I was lucky at Chelsea when I got into the team because I knew all of them because I'd been there for a couple of years as a schoolboy. And uh, I know I know, I know, know the good, the bad and the ugly at this stage of who they were when I got into the team and who I could trust. Uh, who who could trust me, and uh, that was a good thing about when I got into that team. But when when I left, and I, I also knew who wanted me to stay and who wanted me to go, so I was in a good position, uh, especially with having a new the, the manager that trusted me more than anybody. Absolutely, and when we roll it forward to um to the 27th of April 1974 you then went back to Chelsea and you did score that day again in a 1-0 win and uh, really that was the game and that was the goal that that put Stoke City into Europe when you signed for Stoke City they'd actually just dropped after a draw at Ipswich into the bottom three an unbelievable turnaround Chelsea, Chelsea, they must have absolutely loved the return of Alan Hudson. Well, it was I think it was the same day that Dennis Law scored. It, uh, it was. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, which I didn't realise at that time, which I didn't really care about at that time, in all fairness. But um, because we played Manchester United on the Monday night, was, we were going back to Stoke that night. And uh, I, the, the last thing I can remember about that game, I remember... Uh, I, I was. I think we had a corner, and it, I was on the edge of the box. And unlike today, where you see about eight eight players come out to try and block you, watching Everton yesterday, you know you'd have had uh, all these players trying to charge the ball down. That they come out to me on. I was on the D there, and I just half volleyed it. A good strike, and uh, and we went one 0 up, and that was a dream, you know. Um, and it, it couldn't be no better. Uh, and then I remember getting on the train and, you know, I couldn't wait to get out of London, which was strange because you might you might have thought that I would want to stay down, but I didn't. I really didn't want to stay. I didn't want to be around Chelsea supporters because, you know, uh, I was I was to learn that, that they give my family a bad time uh, all around and they, they absolutely slaughtered me through the game, which I didn't hear, I, I wasn't aware of. But my family told me that they they were dis- disgraceful, you know, what the names they were calling me, which was un- unbelievable, really, because, as you know, we spoke about that uh, Osgood and I didn't want to leave, you know. Uh, I suppose it's some, you know, I've got this case with the FA going on and, uh, you know, you, you've got to tell the truth, you know. Um, they... I never asked for a transfer, and they wanted to get rid of me. They wanted to pay for the stand, but and that these are all the little things that gave me so much delight to you know because if they'd have got away with it, if, they, if I'd have played no good in, in in those first few games, and Chelsea would have thought, oh, you 
didn't we do well getting all that money for a, for him? We told you he was gone, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, we turned it all around, and that's the song, you know, You Make Me Feel Brand New. And I was brand new by that time. I was a different person in a, in 10 days, you know, um, since meeting Wadden, and I, I was a different person. And I, I, I was back in love with the game. There's a, a phenomenal line, and again, it could be written about you and Tony in that wonderful track, You Make Me Feel Brand New by the Stylistics. And it, 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 it says, Only you came when I needed a friend, believed in me through thick and thin. This song is for you, filled with gratitude and love. Again, that's something else that you could append for Tony because he did make you love again, didn't he? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. You know, it's you know, it, it, it's uncanny how we've since you and I have known each other and uh, been talking about football and football and music, how they go hand in glove and words and all that. And uh, it's it's like I'm I'm sure it's a it's a little bit different. Like a man and a woman have fallen in love and everything else, but there's songs written that remind people of how they met and everything else. But this, this really, this really does fit the bill, you know, and if, if, if you were to write a song, that would be it. That would be my song for Tony. Uh, although I had a lot of songs for Tony, I got to say, um, especially when he had a, a Gordon's and tonic and he, you know, uh, his favorite little tipple. Um, no, it was, it was, it was like going it. I don't know. I I know I drive people mad talking about Waddington, but I, I don't care because uh, he he was that much in my life, you know, and he kind of, uh, and I sometimes have to look up the photos on my wall and apologize to my father that I speak about him more than I do my dad. But that was the way it was. And that, that was what the great impact he had on my life, you know, and, uh, and the day my, my father first met Tony, uh, and shook his hand. My dad didn't shake people's hands. He didn't like. He didn't do all that. And you can catch the full episode at www.patreon.com.